to thank Wayne for leading that song. That's a perfect introduction to my lesson this morning. We've been studying the book of Joshua in the high school class, and so I'd like for you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. That's Joshua chapter 1. Before we begin, I'd like to ask that you would bow with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love You, and um, we know that You love us more than anything else in this world, and we, um, we ask that You would strengthen us, that You would be with us always. Father, I ask that You would um, direct our thoughts this morning, that You would direct the words that I say, and that You would... Um, that they would be sufficient for the task that's at hand. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Joshua chapter 1. In this text, God is speaking to Joshua, now an old man. He's probably in his 70s or 80s. And you'll remember that Joshua, he was born in Egypt. Okay, He came out of that original... Um, that original generation that was born in Egypt that came through the wilderness 40 years. You'll remember that he and Caleb alone were faithful to God through the wilderness. These two men who were eager to obey everything that God had commanded and remained faithful when all others wanted to turn back. And you'll remember that because of this, God protected them. And God allowed them alone to enter into the promised land when all others failed, including Moses. Moses was not allowed to enter the promised land. So now, after they've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and as they get ready to cross over the Jordan into the promised land, This is the message that Joshua needed to hear. And this is the message that I believe all of us need to hear. See, I, like you, am often weak and fearful. I've had times in my life where I have been an outright coward. So I need this message, and so do you. Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong, and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn to it, to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it Meditate on it day and night, 
so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so now we see Joshua as he's prepared to finish the work that Moses could not do and lead his people into their inheritance to strategically capture the land, to possess it, to drive out all those who do not uh, obey the Lord, and to hold the land faithfully. These are the words God spoke to him. That God Himself was with them and would not abandon them. That He was to be fearless, strong and courageous. That He was to be deep in the law of God, to meditate upon it. That He would ingest it and to be captivated by it and speak it. That by it, He would lead the people out. And by it, God would go before them wherever they went. And through it, He would lead the people into the work that God has prepared for them. And this is exactly where we are. We being led by Christ, our Lord and Redeemer. Through the wilderness, coming to fully rely on Him. And then after that, being freed from sin and every form of bondage. We now stand at this same decisive point. Will we cross over? Will we fight to complete the work that God has prepared for us, that that He's planned for us? Now God gives each and every one of us the responsibility to do this work. And He compels each and every one of us to follow along and do what He tells Joshua here. He requires us to be strong and courageous. He requires us to be immersed in the Word. And He requires all of us to move forward, taking ground for Him, and hold it faithfully. We cannot sound retreat. We cannot go back to Egypt. We must press on with great faith and great commitment. We must have great courage. So I want you to think about your own commitment to the Lord. And the work that God has called you specifically to do. And I want you to consider this text carefully in light of that work so that all the Scriptures here might call us to rise up and stand firm. In verse 5, look there with me. We see that God Himself is with us and that He will never leave us or forsake us. We know that in Psalm 118, it says, The Lord is my helper. I will never fear. What can man do to me? In Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And so we know that neither man nor nature 
should be something that causes us to fear. Because God Himself, the Maker of both, is with us. He Himself goes out before us. Deuteronomy 31.8 It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And now that commandment not to fear is more times in the Bible than any other command that we have. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Psalm 27.8 The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. And so we see the reason that we can be strong and courageous is not from any effort of our own. It's because the Lord is with us. He is our strength. He protects us. He guides us. He fights for us. He is our shield. He goes out before us. He fights our battles. And if there's any enemy in our way, He is the one to strike down that enemy. He is to be for us all that we need. He is the source of our strength. He is the reservoir of our courage and our hope and all of our confidence. And it's because of this, it's because we know His character is altogether faithful and that we can say with confidence that we have no reason to fear. And now in verse 6, we see the command to be strong and courageous. Now this command, um, it's there. And the necessity of it, the constant repeating of it, implies that we will have opposition. That we will have resistance to God. That we will see trouble. That we will see temptation. This also implies the possibility of our weakness. It says to be strong. There's a possibility that we could be weak. So we must be disciplined. This implies the temptation to cower in fear. It says to be, crea- to be courageous. So we must come to rely on God so that we won't fear. This implies that any of the work we do must be done in the face of opposition. That when we face that opposition, we can't turn from it any other way. We must press on through. We must learn to be strong and courageous if we are to fulfill the work that He's prepared for us. And again, I want to say three times within this passage, He says that imperative. Be strong and courageous. Um, Verse 6, verse 7, and verse 9. And so we must be strong and courageous in our God. We must be strong in the faith that we have in our God. We must be strong in the Word of God. We must be strong in the love of God. We must be strong in the grace of Christ. 2 Timothy 2.1 We must be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Ephesians 6.10 So we must be strong in all the things of God. And this is the key thing that Joshua needed as he entered the land. This is the key thing that we need in our lives today. 
to be strong and courageous in the Lord. And to live a life that is less than strong. To live a life that is less than courageous is to be disobedient to God and to Christ. Turn now with me. Keep your finger there. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians 16, starting in verse 13. Now, Paul writes this to the letter, this in his first letter to the Corinthian church. And he, this is towards the end. He's closing out his letter. So as he's closing it, this is what he says to them. He says, Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. He says, be watchful. Pay attention. That means there will be difficulties. There will be temptations. There will be opportunities to be led astray. He says, stand firm in the faith. No more wavering. And here he says to the whole church, even the women, Act like men. Or act like men ought to act. And be strong. And this is what God requires from each one of us. Let there be a determination in our faith. Let there be a steadfastness in the love that we have for God and how we serve Him. Let each of us remember that we were bought with a price, and that it dishonors Christ when we withhold from Him the reward of His suffering. And so I want you to consider, what might advancing look like for you? Is there some temptation that constantly hounds you? Is there some issue that gets in your way? What is barring your path? What difficulties do you face? You cannot simply sit where you are now and advance to heaven. You cannot turn back towards Egypt. You cannot retreat to the life you once have and you can't stay where you're at. You must advance. Let's continue in verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. He emphasizes here, only be strong. Okay, there is no position other than strength that God commands. And be very courageous. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Notice now how essential the Word of God here is to success. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written if they are to have success, this is what it looks like. 
It centers around the Word of God. It's their knowing the Word of God, meditating on it, keeping it, and speaking the Word of God by the grace of God that leads to their success. Look now in verse 7. Be very careful to follow all, all of the law. Be very careful to keep focus on it. Don't exclude anything from it. Man does not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.3 And I think we're fooling ourselves if we believe that we can live without any part of the Word of God. Follow all of it. Every commandment, every precept, every principle. And if you consider everything that they had to do, all the rituals, all the sacrifices, all of those things that we don't have to do, we have it pretty easy comparatively. He says, don't turn to the right or the left. There is temptation at every step. There's temptation to go to the right or to the left. There's temptation to bring your own thoughts into what God has said. But it says to be careful that you do according to all that is written in it. One step outside of the Word and you're headed for disaster. And we see that it brings success. The law of God is powerful. We often fail to recognize this. Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. God's law stops mouths. It has the power to do that. In verse 8, moving on, do not let it depart from your mouth. I want to mention here that this, this is speaking of the book of the law. And what he's speaking of specifically here is the first five books up to this point. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And what I want to show is that Jesus... Think about when He was out in the wilderness. What did He quote to deal with temptation? He quoted Deuteronomy. Okay, Jesus did not let this book of the law depart from His mouth. And it's through it that He was able to find success when dealing with temptation. So we are to be so full of the Word of God that when we open our mouths, the Word of God is what comes out. Joshua is to have nothing to say apart from the Word of God. It was true for him, and it's true for you. Keep your finger in Joshua and turn over to Psalm 1. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 4. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, 
nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in what? The law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and in all he does, he prospers. In whatever he does, he prospers. This doesn't just say, in worship he prospers. This doesn't say, in teaching he prospers. This says, in whatever he does, he prospers. And verse 4 says, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. And so you see this comparison. The man or woman who relies upon the Word of God and those who are wicked who do not rely on the Word of God. So we must rely on the Word of God. But the other part of this is that it should give us a certain boldness. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as lions. So we see that those who walk according to the flesh are fearful. They tremble. But those who walk by the Spirit are strong and they do not fear and they are granted a supernatural courage and strength from God. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 Fear does not come from God. So standing upon the Word grants a boldness that only comes from resting upon the authority of God. And that boldness comes, that comes with relying on God comes in two parts. It is a humble boldness. It is not prideful arrogance. It's humble because what is the source of your strength? What do you have that you did not receive? 1 Corinthians 4.7 It's a humble boldness because everything that you say, everything that you are, everything that you do comes from God. None of it comes from you. And it's bold because the source of our strength is God as well. Do you see how God causes those two things to happen? And if we rely somehow on our own strength, we have no reason to be bold. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Now if Joshua had introduced any other source of reasoning to his speech, he would fail. And he could not be bold. Any other reasoning entering his, his speech was prohibited. Everything he did must come from the law of God, from the Word of God. Now this applied not only to matters of what we would call religion, but how was he to train people? How was he to raise up an army? How was he to provide food for the people? How was he to go forward in everything that the people did 
it came back to the Word of God. And it was true for him, and it ought to be true for us. David, you'll remember, when he fought Goliath, did not fight Goliath in Saul's armor. And he did not fight Goliath with Saul's sword or spear. He went out with the Word of God. Remember what he said, Who is this Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? You come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you with what? The name of the Lord of hosts. You see that David was not armed in the way that this world fights. You see that little stones relying upon the Word of God can bring down the Goliaths of this world. And Jesus says, to build your house on the rock that is His Word. That's Matthew 7. Not on shifting sand. And let me tell you that all of those who build their house on shifting sand, the house of their thoughts, the house of their speech, it is shifting sand. If you push, they have no ground to stand on. No solid ground. There is nothing in their intellect from which they can stand. There is nothing in their will from which they can stand. They are their own authority. They are not relying upon the authority of God. Now there is room to speak here of business and recreation and, and food and life and all the things that we enjoy together in our life. But we must recognize that all of it must Square away with the Word of God. It must come from the Word of God. It must be involved in the Word of God. So fathers, you are to lead your family with the Word of God. Mothers, you are to love and raise your children in the Word of God. Teachers, you are to teach the Word of God. Employers, you are to employ with the Word of God. Laborers, you are to labor with the Word of God. God tells him in verse 8, Joshua 1.8 again, you shall meditate on it day and night. You shall observe it. Is what that word means. You shall ingest it. Let it dwell within you. Let it go through your mind. Jesus, looking back at that example in the wilderness, how was He able when Satan tempted him, how was he able to immediately bring out the Word of God? It's because he meditated on it. It was there because he took the time to meditate on it. To let it be in his mind so that it was ready when the moment arose. Now we get to verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. God here asks a rhetorical question. Have I not commanded you? And you see His authority in it. You see the authority of God. This drives home the obligation that we have. We are without excuse. So I want you to think about this. Does God have the power and authority to direct your life. 
And I think the answer is yes. He has all authority to do that. So be strong and courageous. How do we do this? Verse 9. He gives the answer, I am with you wherever you go. If you kept these things in your mind, how would it change the way you live? Would you be able to stand in the storm? In the hospital bed? Into death itself? Would you be able to press on forward for the work that we have? Would you be able to stand alone on His commands? And I just want to remind you, it's His presence with us that enables us to live a life of strength. To live courageously and to be overcomers in Christ. Could you stand? Perhaps we should look instead to the opposite. What happens if we don't do this? What would your life look like if you're not strong and courageous? If you don't meditate upon the Word of God? If you don't take it in and use it to direct all the things in your life? We only need to go down the street to the hospital or even farther to the nursing home. To sit with the person who is on their deathbed, who maybe has a week, maybe two, maybe a month, but has the opportunity to, to think through all the regrets that they have in their life. If we had the chance to sit with someone who heard the Word of God but rejected it, what would they say? Knowing that they have precious few hours to live. Or perhaps maybe they didn't outright reject Him. But they listened to some of what He had to say. But as soon as they hit rocky ground, as soon as they hit any sort of opposition, they turned back. So I ask you this. When you're laying in the ER, knowing that you may only have few precious hours left, are you going to pray for just one more day that you might have a day where you honor God? That you might have a day where you serve Him faithfully? Or would you rest easy knowing that you've taken every opportunity the Lord has given you to use for His glory? Perhaps we could go even further. Imagine for a moment we could descend into Sheol, that we could speak with the dead, what would they say? What would they tell you about death? About the coming judgment that they can do nothing for? Our society in particular this time of year is preoccupied with ghosts and spirits. And all sorts of superstitious things. We know that this could not happen. But just think for a moment. If a ghost were to come talk to you, 
what would it say? I believe that there is one word that they would say, and that is repent. Repent. Turn away from all sin. Obey Christ with everything that you can do. And so now I want to ask you, do not let pride or any form of sin get in the way of repentance. Don't let anything get in the way of obeying Christ. I'd like to close now with the words of an old hymn. Rise up, O men of God. Be done with lesser things. Give heart and soul and mind and strength to serve the King of Kings. If you have any need today, the church loves you and God loves you. And the invitation is open.